Maybe don't know. Maybe don't know. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I am your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to episode 96 of the Power Company podcast brought to you by PowerCompanyClimbing.com. First off, I apologize. I know I've been slacking over here um, on the podcast anyway. Uh, I've definitely not been slacking. I just haven't put out any podcasts. That's because I've been essentially breathing sawdust and foam adhesive fumes for the last few weeks, uh, trying to get the machine shop wrapped up and together, and it's come along really, really nicely. I'll have it done for the most part, essentially done when the Climbers Festival rolls around. Uh, and if you're if you're stoked to come in for a movement assessment, something like that, hit me up. Um, you can find me at powercompanyclimbing.com. Pretty simple. Otherwise, um, because I've got all that going on. And I get married in like five days or six days or I don't know. I lost count. I get married really soon. So I'm just going to go ahead and jump into this thing. And that's why you came here anyway, right? You didn't come here to listen to me ramble about all the things we've got going on. Um, You came for Jorg Verhoeven. And I don't blame you. I mean, he's one of the nicest guys in climbing, period. And uh, Jorg and I sat down at Vale where I was emceeing the World Cup and watching Alex Puccio absolutely dominate, which was incredibly exciting to get to witness. I damn near lost my voice going crazy when she crushed women's four. Um, But anyway, Jorg and I sat down to talk about Project 9B, which is a website that he started in response to his own big goal of someday climbing 9B, uh, 515B. And if you're unfamiliar with Jorg, which I can't imagine how you would be, um, but if you are, Jorg is a Dutch climber who who has been around and climbed a lot of different styles and a lot of different things. One of the most accomplished all-around climbers that there is. Um, just as an example, in 2002 and 2004, he was youth world champion. He's not a spring chicken anymore. Um, not not that he's old by any means. I'm still 10 years older than he is, but uh, I think he just turned 33. So he was youth world champion back then. He has since gone on to win the combined World Cup in 2007, the overall winner of the lead World Cup in 2008. He's been on 25-plus World Cup podiums. Um, he's climbed 14 plus V15. He's freed the nose and the dihedral wall and on El Cap. Um, basically, he's an all-around machine. Um, the guy is a really, really great climber and very, very unassuming. Um, incredibly nice, like I mentioned before. Anyway, I'm going to jump into this conversation with Jorg Verhoeven, and I will see 
you guys on the other side just to give you a couple of my own thoughts. Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. You know, those days of work on very few feet of climbing, I think that changed something for me. I kind of fell in love with the search for detail and like the, I think the perfection of, of, uh, of a certain sequence. Not only the training behind it, but mm-hmm. the the idea behind the training and yeah. the yeah, yeah you know, I, I was surprised as well to uh, to see how it developed. You know how it got from like a just an idea into something that is uh, you know it it grew into nice dimensions. Yeah, like we we started asking a couple of questions, and then all of a sudden it, it got really it got a lot bigger like for me. Yeah. It was kind of interesting. You didn't expect that people would be that into it? Is no, that... no, that not at all. But it, it, like primarily it was, it was something for me. And then eventually I decided to, uh, or John Glassberg from 11, he, yeah. uh, he, uh, he was psyched right away. Mm, so he was, you know, he tried, he wanted to make a, a film about it. And when I started training, I, uh, I, I somehow, like, saw there was some interest from from other people and I, I just wanted to what do you say to uh to just to, to just write down what i trained like what i what i did more to myself than to other people right then i realized well if i if i put this if i put this on the internet somewhere it's going to be some kind of a blog or website anyway so yep. i started like do, developing a little site around it and uh, i think it got, got quite nice and, and people yeah, are I, happy about it yeah i think it's good because we don't often get a look into the well, that, entire process that like was that. that was the entire idea like i i didn't know myself and and there's not a lot of uh, like information about it since there's not so many people and and those people are you know they're active on social media and stuff but it's not like they're sharing the entire process you kind of only right. see the you the, get the little glimpses you, of success yeah you see a, you see some glimpses of struggle which is obviously part of the game and then you see success and you know you know everybody's happy but, right. but there's more to it yeah. There's a lot more. Yeah, there's so much more that yeah. goes into it. Your, from what I can tell, your Project 9B, as it was made public, happened about, I don't know, it was maybe started about six or nine months before the website was actually up. Is that right? I have no idea, actually. It's kind of hard because mm. for, for me, it was it was a bit of a weird trajectory as well. I was like, the, the idea itself started like years years back sure when i was um, just I'll, as a big goal yeah i was uh, like the original idea was where I, i've been doing comms like i started doing lead comms 15 years ago or something yeah then eventually switched a bit to bouldering comms and now i'm kind of switching back to lead comms but the 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 idea was that i'm always training for like specifically for competitions mm-hmm. and i'm taking these like these little rock trips or or sometimes these longer rock trips for uh you know, almost a bit, a bit of a vacation. You know, something, something to decide, and and it's it's nice because you're training for competitions, but and so that that keeps you fit for for the trips to go outside. Sure. But it's not like if I wanted to climb something really hard, I knew that I I had I had to train for it specifically. Like the 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 times when I went outside and tried something hard in the past was basically always 
like post-competition season mm-hmm. and you're tired from traveling around the world all the time um so so you're not the most fit anymore uh like right. the, the the like the main training phase is like at least six months back and i developed this idea i mean it's a very basic idea like what what would happen if if i just train specifically for you know a certain rock route or something and 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 then see the competitions as you know plan b or right or goal b i should rather say right so the and, focus and was on preparing yeah, yeah it's for like the shifting route. the focus yeah. and i knew that i would you know descent or, or stop com- doing competitions like slowly uh, maybe two years ago it kind of like my attention like dropped a little bit and i think this is my, one of one of my last years um so eventually i kind of like reactivated the idea i was like okay and I, I if if there is a if there is a point if there's a time then i this is the time you know i need to do it right now yeah um and i have i reactivated that i think last summer so summer what is that summer 20 2018 no 2017 summer 2017 yeah and um <laughs> you know right after the season i i started right away to develop a plan um a lot with uh, together with my wife kata since she's uh she's a lot better with uh, she's a sports scientist so she she knows about training right and i i know from from experience what around. i do that's amazing <laughs> like i i actually never realized that until now how 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 much information there is you know how, right. how, how handy that can be yeah um so we started developing or i started developing a plan uh together with kata um and i think training started like november uh and that's that's where i got like the oldy training information on paper and then i decided to just throw it throw it on the web and and have other people uh, see it as well so maybe they you know the, the idea was they can at least see what what i'm doing and maybe benefit for their own projects yeah so leading into this thing you had been i mean you had been a successful comp climber 25 plus podiums you've won a, a lead world cup season mm-hmm. um a long time yeah <laughs> what amount of, of comp, the so. yeah what amount of the training that you learned in those comp training seasons carried over to this do you think was it radically de- different you know was it departure completely no 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 it's 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 actually it's actually far from that so as far as i see it training or for me training is is gym based mm-hmm. like i i got a a great climbing facility within i don't know five minutes by bike from my house um so if you look at climb uh, competition climbing of course all the training is is done in a gym sure i think there's any people that practice uh, competition climbing and train outside um and when you look at um at rock rock routes especially like high-end sport climbs they're they're actually quite similar to uh, like the, the the abilities you need to have. They're quite similar to what, um, especially like lead climbers train for. Right. So the fun thing for this project was that I could really shift my focus to, um, like I, I could really specialize to what I needed to. So in the past I've, I'd been training for, let's, let's say if, if I was training for lead competitions, you kind of know what you're up to. It's always, the walls are always in between 
I wouldn't know in feet. It's like 15 to 17 meters all, all okay. the time. So it's it's quite steep. Um, but the route setting always changes. Uh, the the um, the style of route always changes. So so you got to you got to prepare in a very broad way. Right. Um, so you, you can't just do only crimps. I mean, you would mess up on volumes or big slopers. Uh, sometimes it's really bouldery moves. Sometimes it's just you know 50 move endurance. So you. Like I said, like a broad um, way of training is, is kind of necessary for comp climbing. Mm-hmm. But then for, for Project 9B, I could, I, the, the first part was actually looking for routes. Um, and when I found the route, I knew exactly what I needed to, uh, like the abilities I needed to have. Um, so, so it was actually quite nice to be able to train so specifically. Uh, to give an example, at the route I, I eventually picked is fight or flight in Oliana. Um, and some some specifics of this route is very bad feet, not too decent hold holds, but the most of them are like kind of inverted, uh, like either under clings or side pulls. There's not too many like straight down pulls. Right. Um, the feet are always that. <laughs> They're always not where you want them. Right. So, so these are all kind of aspects where where you can specifically train for. So, I kind of I kind of did a very similar training to to what I did during my my lead climbing days for or comp training, um, but I could sp- I could really specialize it down to what's necessary for for this specific route. That's why eventually it it didn't <clears throat> make sense anymore to try out the routes because I was I was really training for. Um, well, basically, twenty-five hard moves to arrest to right. fifteen more hard moves. Yep. And and I set a route in the gym. I, I did like uh, twenty-five move circuits. Um, so it's all very specific down to this route, which was totally new for me, and it was it was actually very motivating. Yeah, I was I was going to ask about that. Was the motivation different for this versus? training for a world cup season because you do have this one very specific goal and in some ways that gets a little dangerous too because a lot of expectation is put on it so yeah i think motivation and expectation is always that's that's kind of like two separate topics but if, yeah, you, if totally. it comes to motivation i never really had problems um with that especially since i think the most important thing was i uh like the, the motivation kind of like tripled because it was something new right the i think the main reason why, why i moved from lead climbing after like 10 years of lead climbing why i moved to bouldering uh bouldering competitions yep was that it kind of got a little monotone mm-hmm. like i was always doing the same training doing the same comps the comps started to feel you know after after like 60 70 comps they they you, you recognize the similarities and that the the challenge was a bit gone even though i wasn't right. winning at all you know i was i was maybe i was even like getting worse and stuff but that that's not the point it was i was everything started to get feel the same and this uh, that that was quite a nice change to to move to move on to bouldering like the um, the training's completely different the comps are completely different so that that gave me a lot of motivation to you know continue and and, and renew my training like adapt to new, certain new styles and it was the same for project 9b I, I all of a sudden had like i said before a very specialized goal but also a completely new goal and and you know it opens all these possibilities and it was for me it was just super super psych uh, super motivating to um yeah just to train for something something different than in the past mm-hmm. it's hard to explain why but 
I was actually surprised myself how much motivation there all of a sudden was. Yeah, I, you know, I started out largely as a trad climber and an on-site climber and loved on-siting and enjoyed training to be an on-site climber, but I really fell in love with red pointing and the process mm -hmm. of preparing for one really hard route yeah. um, that I, I didn't expect to. I thought for sure I was just going to learn some about red pointing and then go back to on-siding. But now I'm almost purely red point climber. It was something new it. to me as well, and uh, I, I really got to appreciate it. Yeah, it's comp format, you're on-siding all the time, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Which, yeah. is, which is a very nice, you know, type of uh, climbing as well. But sure. I think I, I, I don't know. I asked myself once whether, whether um, the, the, like the ability to, uh, to, to really project, mm -hmm. like to, uh, to red point a route and prepare for it for, for like months, whether that actually comes with, uh, with age. I spoke to uh, Edu Marin. Yeah. Um, and he, he said the same, actually. He's, I think he's exactly my age. Um, I think we we're both born in '85, and and he said he said the same thing that a couple of years a couple of years ago, he suddenly had this this change from like always onside climbing. Ed was a very very good climber, especially a rock climber as well. Yeah. Um, and he's he's onside at like up to 14B or something, or maybe even 14C. Um, and all of a sudden he said that with with you know turning 30 or something, he uh. He just got way more interested in, in pure red pointing, like preparing as well as possible. Um, like I think it's the uh, the the eye for detail. Mm -hmm. That's um, interesting. It happened to me around the same age. Yeah, yeah. that's why that's why I, I started asking around with friends and stuff, and some some didn't really agree, um, others fully agreed, and it's also it's it's a bit geographically or like different climbing scenes of different you know, um, um, I think. It, it it switches a bit between climbing scenes. Sure. The American climbing scene is very, it's it's as far as I see it, it's it's kind of based on red pointing. Yeah, definitely. And in Europe, there's a lot of you know people just go climbing and they. And maybe it has to do with the fact that there's so many cliffs in in Europe. If you go to Spain, you sure. can you can go to a cliff every every other day that's completely new. Yep. For so, me, that's sort of how it happened. I was a Red River climber. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, that's where I learned to climb yeah. and. I had sort of run out of on-site opportunities um, unless I continued to get better, you know, and red pointing was the path forward as far as I could tell. Yeah. Um, so that's I, definitely I think it's also happened. a bit of an old man cure. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like you can, you can kind of, <clears throat> you can kind of uh, trick your way or cheat your way through the, the, um, the hard parts. Let's just call it tactics. Let's not call Let's, it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you can strategize. I I kind of I kind of feel that it's cheating. Like yeah, there's no more there's no more more of this relentless. Like you have to do it. You don't know what's coming, and and right. you know you have to be strong. Now you can just you know what's coming, and you can work the shit out of it. Yep. And then it's everything like becomes a, a lot game, easier. Less like a boxing match. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and this I, is what actually what's, what's so, so nice about it, and I think for me, I, I I started to think like where that if you can call it a transformation, when that happened to me, and I think that's actually that that happened in Yosemite when I was um, when I was started working on the nose, um, I I I had a long period of like a couple of weeks 
where where I was basically working on a couple of pitches. Mm-hmm. Um, I was there by myself, so so I couldn't really you know do a lot of climbing except work on those pitches. And, and eventually, I found a player, and I had everything so wired that it went down very easily. Um, but that that you know those days of of work on on a very few feet of climbing mm-hmm. i think that changed something for me i i, I kind of fell in love with the with the search for detail and like the i think the perfection of of uh of a certain sequence yeah especially on the nose it's very necessary and that maybe like 99 percent of the route is actually quite you know doable it's a lot i think 90 percent is like 510 climbing and right. there's a couple of sections that are very hard and and the trick for the nose is just to get those wired as well as possible so that if you do a push from the ground that you know y- you know exactly how to do everything right so you were forced into it by this one <laughs> style of climbing basically yeah i mean that's that's <clears throat> i think that's when it happened and even though the nose is a very different thing from uh from you know high end sport climbing um but it's basically you know there's there's still there's very uh, f- there's there's quite a lot of similarities um also when you take bouldering it's basically what what you know the 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 strongest boulders in the world are doing right now right they're working their asses off to to do these three four five i mean sometimes it's a bit more but there's just a few moves they're working for days and days on um just trying to find a way to do them you know perfection of moves yeah i mean uh, early on in the big wall free climbing scene when that whole idea was just beginning that was todd skinner's whole approach was yeah. let's go to waco and spend the winter because mm. you know if we have we have to be able to do the hardest three move sequences so let's train those on the ground yeah. and then we can go up to yeah, the tommy to told the me that prior to uh to when i was trying the nose that bouldering or el cap free climbing el cap is basically bouldering yeah like people think it's an endurance thing but it's a lot of logistics hard work and uh and and you know hard bouldering yeah on the small hold yeah that's cool that's cool to frame it like that so let's dig into kind of the the training and the the sequence of it all for project 9b you started with just some general base training mm-hmm. um was that more like your training for the World Cup where it's more broad? Because this was pre-going to Spain to check out Flighter, Flight, um, right? This was actually... Yes, yes, yes. So, in total, I think my training was four months. It got a bit shorter because I started off with an injury. Mm-hmm. And the very basics of my training weren't anything different than what I did for lead climbing. Uh, even for bouldering. Uh, it's just um, you know how to fill in the exercises that that that's that's what changed, um, and it's you know the training is nothing it's nothing extraordinary like it's it's not it's not even something very scientific. Well, I think that's important for people to see. Though, it's it's, and it's to something understand. very yeah very basic, and and what I did was try to adapt to a certain goal, like try to uh, to react to what's necessary. Right. So you started with this big pool of basic yeah fitness, I, what, essentially. what was a bit of a problem what was also interesting about it is as as, as soon as i started my level was very very low like compared to it was basically my base level right. um and you had a finger injury 
Yeah, my, that's 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 why. I mean, I'd been setting for the youth youth world championships for uh, I think three weeks or something, and, and and that injury started again, so I had to take some time off. And I think it's actually been quite a couple of years since I since I had that much time off. Mm-hmm. So then, after like a couple of months of basically no training and just you know going climbing regularly, um, you you basically arrive at like what I call my base level. Mm-hmm. It's like if you, if you climb once in a while, then um, you end up at this bottom plateau uh, where you know you can only go up from, but you won't really go any lower. And where you, where is your base level? Would you say it's it's kind of hard to say in grades, but I don't know. I I think if I if I stop climbing for a couple of months, um, and then you know s- restart, climb in just once or twice in a week, I will be at maybe. I don't know an onside thirteen, low low thirteen something, okay. something like that. I think as far as I've seen in the previous years, that's always something that you know I can still climb, like maybe eight B, like thirteen thirteen plus or something. That's also that's always something I can climb fairly quickly. Sure, even if level is very very low. Yep. Well, I think that's important to see as well because your <clears throat> your big project is nine B. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It's, but your base it's, level it's falls jump back from, to yeah. roughly a number below yeah. there. That's that's. I think what a lot of people forget is that you cannot move from zero all the way to one to to. It's like, or you can move from zero to one hundred percent, but if you're aiming, if your goal is too high, um, then and and your your base level is too low, it's just not going to happen in one year. Right. Like it. It will take multiple training cycles. Yep. And that's what you see if you look at comp climbers these days that um, they have a lot of cycles behind them and they they steadily grow stronger each cycle most of the time. So you, even though sometimes uh, injuries can drop you down a bit, but especially if you're looking at somebody that got injured, they, they drop down let's say a couple of cycles and then it's very hard to catch up with the rest because they're steadily growing and growing right. they're getting stronger and stronger yep so so it like fitness has has a lot to do with um, um, training cycles over the years you know and some people they take very little rest uh, so they're always training and of course if you're if you're base if, you, if, if the level where you start at if the level where you start your training is very high, then of course your training is going to be, you know, even higher. Or your level after your training is going to be even right. higher. Right. And that, you know, exactly what you said, people shouldn't be jumping right into the program you're doing if they've never trained before. You've got a high training age. You've been doing this for a long time. Yeah, I think certain certain exercises would definitely be a bit, you know, bit too much yeah and the frequency that you were doing it might be a little much at least the frequency for at first i i wouldn't even be too sure about that i like the frequency that i did was nothing uh, out of of the uh uh, some nothing extraordinary okay um i basically went climbing like four to five times a week Mm -hmm. which i think any beginning climber would uh be able to do Yep, depending it's on just, the intensity, for sure. Depending on the intensity, of course. Yeah, and it's it's just I think beginning beginning climbers they have you know a higher risk of uh, of injury, especially fingers if they're not used to a certain strain. Mm-hmm. Um, it's for sure better <clears throat> to build up the intensity slowly, uh, and also the amount of days you train. Um, but I think it's it's like the training that I did. Um, it's 
it's only about adaptation. Like I have a certain goal, so I need to adapt it to that goal. If somebody has a different goal, then you can't do the exact same training, but you have right. to adapt it to what you think is necessary. Yep. That's why, that's why I try to emphasize the fact that if somebody uses some, any, any of, these inf- of this information that I put on the web, um, it's important for them to understand that if their goal is, for example, a four-move boulder problem or a 50-meter endurance route, they will have to adapt the training that I, you know, posted there, right, to their goal because it's so much different. Um, and this might be one of the hardest things in training to to be able to see how to adapt it so that it's efficient. Uh, I think a lot of people aren't really able to do so, um, since it's all about first of all self evaluation, like defining your strengths and weaknesses. Um, and also a lot about, you know, it's experience in both in training, but also in climate, like to see what is actually necessary to see, um, which abilities you already have, um, and which abilities you're actually, you're, you're, you're lacking. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you need to train for. Yeah. And I mean, we, that's how we all make our living. That's what supports the podcast is you know, training climbers and helping people come up with training plans. So, well, that's, that's why I, I think you're exactly right. I, I, I always got a lot of questions about training and, and this is maybe partly one of the, or it's one of the reasons why I, you know, made this website just yeah. to get some information out for the, for, for those people interested. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also like most of these questions I get about training. I, I always find them quite easy to answer because people are, they're not really they're not realistic about their training right i, I right. very often have people come to me and they they tell okay i want to i want to start training really you know um schematically um and then i ask okay like how how, how much are you training per like how many how many uh, sessions do you do a week and they say like ah it's kind of like one or two sessions a week maybe i've been climbing for two years and then my my only answer can be like okay increase the 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 amount of sessions you do a week like try to try to climb more mm-hmm. and if if i look at the climbers around me they're so or like the, the strong climbers around me that have been training for years and years they uh there's there's so little there's so little scheme behind it there's there there's not really that you know that that's the 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 science that people think Right. Um, in climbing yet. I, th- I think in the future this will grow, of course. Yep, for sure. But a it doesn't lot have of to be as complicated as no, some exactly. people want like it to be. Like a lot of the comp climbers, they're basically just freewheeling. Yeah. And this is, this is very weird to understand. And I think now it's starting to change because a lot of climbers are actually working together with coaches. Um, they're training in teams. So there is some theory behind it, but it's nowhere as, as much as people think. Yeah. And I think the majority of climbers, um, and you tell me if you agree or disagree, but I think the majority of climbers don't need the science that's coming out. Oh, for just sure. Yet. Yeah, definitely. Um, like a lot of the 90% is all about hard work. Right. And then of course you can, you can benefit by, I don't know, the, the, the science in climbing, if we can call it like that. Mm-hmm. Like the, the the evaluation of movement, um, 
actually in, in, in comp bouldering right now, it's, it's becoming a bit of a topic where some people have started to analyze movement. Right, Udo and... and yeah, and yeah. I'm, I'm actually, we had a discussion about it yesterday and actually I'm happy that it's, 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 it's been, it's, it got started, you know, people, people started to do so. But I'm actually a bit skeptic about it since it's, it's up to now, it's basically, I call it pseudoscience. Yeah, it's it's not really uh, you know it's not really scientifically based. So mm-hmm. I think it's nice that it's you know people are doing it, but as the stuff that I've seen, I'm not really too uh, confident about. Yeah, I'm interested to see where that stuff goes as yeah. well. But you know, you know, the more and more people <clears throat> do it, then the productive discussion will start, and eventually, you know, we'll end up at a at a, an efficient level. Yeah, yeah, but uh, so the way that your system worked um just to jump back into it was that that big first phase of base training then you went over to spain to check out routes you hadn't settled on fight or flight just yet um i had settled i had quite done so okay you were pretty sure that was the one throughout the summer of uh, 2017 i had tried a lot of the routes that i thought would be nice to to focus on gotcha and especially fight or flight was high, very high on my list. Mm-hmm. Uh, and logistically, it was also one of the, the, the nicer ones. Okay. Um, even though it's, you know, it, it's, a, it's, it's not in driving distance for me. Yeah. So what were but, the key elements that made you choose that one? Since it's not something you can just go try yeah. at the end of a day when you have yeah, to yeah. feel Well, good. there is not a route that I can try, go try at the end of the day so far. I actually started to you know, bold like a crazy person around Innsbruck. Right, right. Uh, looking for projects, <laughs> and there are a lot of projects, but it's kind of hard to find a route that is nice to climb on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure there is nine Bs in the vicinity. Uh, I think we're going to need Nadam for that. But I, I had some, I don't know, some specifics in mind that for me were important about a route. First of all, it needed to be as like completely natural or like a very high level of, uh, um, um, of or very low level of manufacturing. Right. Um, and this is a, a separate discussion and, and I found out that people are very um, ill-informed about it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think it's a very delicate topic. Absolutely. Because... Uh, especially since people are not clearly uh, not very well informed, I think they misunderstand very quickly. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think all I want to say to that is, imagine something very hard like um, cutting end sport route. I think everybody can imagine the holes are very tiny, um, right. and on limestone, those tiny holes are very brittle. Yep. Um, and we there's actually a lot of problems with routes changing all the time. And sometimes if these route changes, they become imp- impossible. Um, and I mean, that can be very annoying if you've been trying a route for five years and all of a sudden your, your keyhole breaks. Um, like, what do you do? Yeah. Um, and, and I think some people have chosen the way of, uh, um, of securing these holds, um, basically using Sika to, uh, to reinforce them. And I think it, there, there needs to be a, like an open and productive discussion rather than uh, in the climbing community, rather than just, you know, opinions about, or opinions that are not really well-based. 
Yeah, I agree. I think it's a pretty delicate topic. But still, for me, this was this was one of the. I, I saw some some pretty ugly stuff. I saw some really, um, really well, uh, um, well bolted roots, like uh, that were basically put up in a very nice style. Mm-hmm. Um, so this this was one of the specifics that a root needed to have. And fight or flight is is almost completely natural. There's there's some Sika to reinforce holds, um, but it it doesn't really get in the way. I think. Right. Um, and then second of all, it's 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 about you know the style of climbing. Um, a friend of mine, Jacob Jacob Schubert, he he had climbed this route, and he is not the most patient type of climber. <laughs> right. He's I think he's primarily a calm climber, and if he goes on rock, then. He's not looking into anything that is, in his uh, words, disgusting or right. horrible to, to climb on. Right. I think Adam, for example, is a very much more patient climber. Yeah. He will. He will just, you know, appreciate every type of climbing. Right. That there he'll find is. a reason to appreciate it. And Jakob is yeah. always looking for something specific. And I, I had to agree on uh, with him on this uh, certain route that it's, it has a lot of advantages. It climbs quickly. So you don't end up climbing on a route for, you know, one half hours to fall at the very last move. Right. And then basically your day is over. Which is especially bad when it's a big road trip and you're Yes, exactly. You're uh, that that, far from that home. would just, you know, it would just it, it would just make me so tired. Yeah. Um this is a route you can climb in like a couple of maybe eh, one or two minutes even, you mm-hmm. fall off and you can do a couple of tries a day. Right. Which is very nice. Um, there's also no, there's no long entry in it. You don't have to sit at a no hand for like half an hour. Some of these routes, they have maybe like a 514 entry, then a no hand, a ledger you can sit on and then the route starts. Right. This is, the, these things are, they're, they're details that I think to most climbers, they, they don't really realize how annoying they can be. Yeah. And you're not saying you wouldn't climb those routes. No, but I was just not your highest in. But I was I was looking project. for something that I was um, I wanted to spend so much time on. Right. I knew I knew that this was going to take me one season or even several seasons. Yeah, several it's a big years. investment. Uh, it's a very big investment. I would spend a lot of time on it, and I didn't want to lose not only motivation but also the fun on climbing on this route. Yeah. Um, that's, that's why so important. It needed to fit. It's all. It's also nice if it fits your style, of course. But mm-hmm. it also it needs to draw your your your. How do you say? Um, that that every person has a certain style of climbing he prefers, and yep. this is this route is just you know it's a hundred percent what I like. Yeah. The amount of like the uh, the amount of moves, the, the the time you climb on it, the type of the type of holds, the type of moves, it's just. To me, it you know, it's it's my dream route. Yeah. So you said about learning everything you could about it, moves, exactly, conditions. Yeah. Yeah. So I knew all the details. Um, I had done. I had started that that base layer of training um, just to get me, you know, back to fit. Um, then I went to Spain just to check it out because I had only tried it previously. I think two years in advance, and I had only tried it like three times. Gotcha. Um, that's where I fell in love with this route. I, yep. I, I knew how great it was. and The seed um, was planted there. Exactly. I knew how much I liked it, how, how well it fit me. And um, this trip was basically to check out all the details, to find beta, which is, of course, very important because data, beta refinement is 
is basically all that counts in, pro in projecting. Like you're always trying to you know, change the little subtle details that make some a move from from you know too hard to okay hard. Yeah. Um, so I spend a lot of time on the route. Basically, during two weeks, I was trying to go there as much as possible and just hop. Were on you this working route. on it with someone at the time? Were you uh, sharing beta with someone? I or? was actually working. There was back then. There was two guys trying it: a French guy um, and a Spanish guy, and when I came back in March, there was actually um, more people trying it, which I thought would have been annoying, and it turned out actually really nice. Mm. Um, so, what was, so, what was nice about it, out of curiosity? Um, well, at, at first, it's very obvious to think that it would be annoying since yeah. uh, there's yeah. actually a, sh a very short time window throughout the day where you can try it. It's in the sun until, uh, I don't know, two, three, and then it gets dark very quite early. Um, so if you have three to three hours to try on it then it, it it's it's a bit of you know logistic to uh to find uh to find a, a good window with four people trying at the same time right um and then it turned out really nice that you know everybody that was trying the route it had it it, it wasn't a really com competitive scene um since everybody it's it's not like you're climbing against each other in in competition right don't get me wrong. Competitiveness is not something I, uh, I, I, I don't like and I don't agree with, since it can be very productive. Absolutely. But on rock, I was I was surprised that it's it's not competitive at all, and you can actually help each other. Um, first of all, motivate each other, and second of all, just you know, you know uh, like I said, beta refinement. Everybody finds these, these small little details. Um, there was Piotr Schaub, a Polish guy who was trying it. He found he found this this tiny little knee bar that changed the entire crux for me. It, it made it so much nicer to climb. Hmm. And this, without him, I, I wouldn't even have, I, I wouldn't even have thought about it. Right. So and and Matty, Matty Hong was trying it. He ended up doing it eventually. And this just you know it 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 made me it it renewed my motivation completely. Yeah. You know I saw the happiness that uh, this route or the, the success on this route cost for him. I saw how how emotional he was about the entire thing, and mm -hmm. you know, it it just made me realize that this this project is really important for me. Yeah, and I think those reasons are why it's so important not to, if you walk up to the crag, and there are people on your project, not yeah, to, to get just annoyed. say, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll wait for another day." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it's a very productive process to be able to work on something not by yourself, not only by yourself, but with other people. Yeah, um, <clears throat> because. Like I said before, self-evaluation is kind of hard. A lot of I don't know a lot of people that can do this very well, and other people are. Or it's it's very easy to see flaws or um, s small mistakes that other people make, and you can you can correct them a lot easier than those people can correct themselves. Yeah. So yeah. it was uh, it was actually a very nice process. Good. But anyway, that November um, or December, I think it already was after that base training, I. I went over there for two weeks to try it, um, and I actually felt very good in it already. I could think I can do it with like two or three hangs, mm -hmm. um, and so all the moves I had dialed, I, some some holds had crumbled and got harder, and that's you know the annoying process about it. Um, so I was I I got home um, beginning of 2018, and I was. Like I said before, I was 100% psyched to start training for this. Yeah. 
um and after this like the it's 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 on the website but the 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 main training is is like this base layer uh, then there's a, a like a phase that that's basically around max uh, max power mm-hmm. so a lot of bouldering a lot of power exercises um just to get that that strength necessary and then the third phase is um is basically it's 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 endurance based but um an endurance based really specific specific to down that to route. that project so yeah. so i uh, not the the 60 move endurance that you know people think is endurance but more this is power endurance right so i did a lot of uh, short circuits um a lot of specific project tries that was actually the most that was actually key for me i had found a project on uh or i had set a project in the gym that was actually quite similar. I didn't even try to make it that similar, and 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 it w- it felt like I was climbing on the route. It was mm-hmm. a bit harder, which is always good. Yeah, because then you you come back to Spain and it's like, oh, this actually felt feels easier. Right. Um. So this this was all very motivating. Training worked out really well because of that motivation. Um. It's it's kind of dangerous to um to max it to uh to feel where when it's enough right um if the motivation is 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 not the problem if there's if there's motivation to spare then it's always it's always very easy to do too much yeah and you said in your blog that one of the things you recognized was that you were needing a little more rest than you had in the past and you you sort of got around that by varying the intensity of the sessions yeah um especially when because i'm not i mean mean, i'm not the youngest anymore i think at 20 to 25 you can handle a lot more training right um but you also i would almost say you need a lot more training Mm -hmm. like i think i didn't to reach the same level I, i need less training but it needs to be more effective um so because this route is so short as i said before 25 moves to rest to 15 moves. Um, it's very important to have a high max power um, and a good power endurance. Yep. So you don't need to be able to rest down after 50 moves, like the complete full-on pump right. to be able to rest down to a, to a reasonable level because as soon as you get pumped on this route, you fall off right away. You won't be able to do another move. Right. Um, and this is why I think especially for this route, it was more important to to do a training which was quality-based and quantity-based. So each session I, I, I did, I tried to make it as, as intensive as possible. Um, and, you know, the key about training itself is, in my opinion at least, is to, you do, you do your training day, and then comes actually the most important thing, the rest phase. And the rest phase needs to be as long or it, it, so that the next training, you're not completely tired. You cannot start your training fully tired because right. the training will be shit. Right. So it's, it's really hard to find that balance between training as much as possible, as much as necessary, and um, still have that freshness in your training. Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad you, you said as much as necessary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not as much as possible. I think that's 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 definitely not well phrased. Um, and if you if you're tra- if you're aiming for something like f- full on endurance, 
one and a half hour roof route, then it's a total different story. Then then you're going to need a lot of quantity and a lot right. of like endurance based climbing. But this was something I needed to I needed to feel fresh all the time. Yep. Because if the moves are that hard, then if you're if you're tired, you're, you're like your level drops. So if if I would have a training day where I would feel tired, I would just either make it very short um, or just go home, rest, and, and then wait for the next um, window where you, where you feel fresh. Mm-hmm. And I see also for, for competition climbing, um, lead climbing, I, I see a lot of people that make the mistake of they just want to train as much as possible and they're tired all the time. Yep. And that, you know, then effect, uh, eventually you're... you're the, the productivity just decreases. Yeah, you're just going downhill. Yeah. Digging and yourself a hole. It's, it's you know, it's a, it's, it's a struggle to, to constantly mo- motivate yourself even if you feel tired. Um, and then if it, if it doesn't, if it, if it just makes you weaker, then your motivation drops completely. So it's a bit of a, you know. It's a, it's a, it's a tough it, line to walk exactly. for sure. You need to find that balance um, to not be happy after one hour of training and like, ah, I think I did enough. Right. You know, you need to you really need to push yourself into that maximum level. Um, that's also what a lot of people don't do during their training. Yeah. Like they really push themselves to 100%. Yeah. It's easy to get to about 75%. Exactly. Feel yeah. like you pushed yeah. it. And, and some of these, some some climbers, um, and most of the times they're very, they, they turned into very strong climbers. They can really push their, themselves also during training. Right. Um, and some climbers are not even in a competition or during their project, they're not even able to, to reach that, you know, that, that hundred percent of, of, of using their strength. Yep. Yeah. I think it's a practiced thing for some people. Yeah. And if you can practice it in the gym and there, take I it mean, out there to is a project. lot of exercises, like easy exercises to, um, to train. This is also something you can train, you can train, you know, absolutely. Training is not only about the, f- the, the physical side. It's a lot about the mental aspects and the tactical approach yep. and, you know, all that, all that stuff that people kind of like, you know, sweep to the side and like, I don't need that. Yeah, that's the stuff we actually try to focus on quite a bit mm. well, that's good to in hear. our coaching and training. It, it can be the hardest part. Like yeah. some people, is, uh, I think instinctively are very good at it. Yep. And other people, they need somebody to correct them or need to correct themselves. Yeah, absolutely. So in your, in your max power phase, um, what would you say is the the boulder grade of the hardest move or hardest short sequence on the on fight or flight? Um, well, there, uh, we we talked about it uh, about this actually with uh, with the others that were trying this, and this is this is something I always find funny that root climbers they try to break it down into bouldering grades mm-hmm. because it's it it never actually works. Right. <laughs> we tried to come up first with um, the 25 moves. We thought it was 9A to rest and then to a, a 15 move 8C route. Okay. So it's like 14 plus to rest to 14B. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's true, that's just a blind guess we came up with. Right. And Which then, is what all then, grades are. Really. Yes, exactly. And then the, <laughs> the, the hardest move is definitely at the end of the, the first part, just before the rest. And that could be like V11 boulder. Okay, um, and it doesn't sound very uh, very hard, mm-hmm. so maybe it uh, is actually a little higher, especially since it took us quite a couple of days to do those moves. They're, right, they're, they're really really powerful. 
Um, so they, they might end up a little higher. But on the other hand, you you do this like 14, 514 climbing into it. Right. And that makes it hard. Sure. That's why I think a lot of a lot of rude climbers, they, they easily get the idea that, you know, that boulder move up there is so hard. It got to be v, V14. Um, if not, I wouldn't be falling there. Right. But then they realize that, or they don't realize that like 510 climbing into a V13 boulder problem is it's just so ridiculously hard already right <laughs> so it's 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 yeah, all I just uh, I want to say is it's just really hard to to pin the pin it down to to a boulder grade sure but I think as, as a single move I would have still said like V11 okay it's nothing out of the ordinary and then when you're in the gym training are you shooting for specific grades or are you no, just no, looking to always not. challenge yourself at your yeah. maximum i i don't think grades at all um and even though this project is basically i mean the name says it all it's about a grade mm-hmm. um it's it's easy to see it that it's very grade as, as something very grade based um but it's actually not it started out as something um i I picked 9B because, first of all, I thought it was my my maximum that I could climb. Mm-hmm. I wanted something that that challenged me in a certain way that I would need to work on it for months and months or even right. several years. Yep. Um, but it still needed to be possible. You need to be realistic. Like I can work on something for 15 years and if it doesn't go, then of course the process is nice. It was nice, but you know, it's nicer if, it, if you succeed. Absolutely. Um, and at the same time, 9B, you know, at least when I started this thing, it was kind of like cutting edge. Sure. Adam, Adam and Chris had climbed 9B+. Plus. Um, there was maybe like 10 people that climbed 9B or something. And, and I think especially this year, it kind of exploded mm-hmm. um, because I think the main reason for that is pe- people actually dared to start climbing on these routes. Right. Uh, I, I don't think the level got that higher. But if you take Jonathan Segrist, for example, he was he was he was that strong a couple of years ago, but right. he was climbing. He was just 15A. building up this giant base exactly, beneath yeah. him, yeah. Um, and now he <clears throat> like he hopped on on nine B and like he climbed it as far as I know pretty quickly. No? Right. Um, so so th- like there's there's way there's there's room for like to uh, the, the 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 top is not really reached no? for yeah. a lot of people. Yep. Um, so. I think I, I was I was coming I was I was just trying to say that that the grade is not that important yeah and especially in training it's not important at all it doesn't yeah. doesn't matter at all absolutely um, I agree on whether mm. you, you train on routes of course you can give it a grade it's nice to um, you know to see it's, it's how we measure exactly you know and it, but in bouldering it doesn't make sense at all we we don't yeah. climb on um, <laughs> uh, the training we do is is not on 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 preset boulder problems right. But we have a bouldering room. We do have this, but I don't. I don't. I don't use it. Yep. Um, especially not for the training I did on for Project Nine B. Um, but we have a bouldering room which is completely filled up with holds, and we we make up boulder problems, mm-hmm. specific boulder problems, or you know regular boulder problems, or um, one movers to twenty movers. Uh, right. You know everything from from very short boulder problems to, to short circuits to long circuits. And then a, a, a large or wide range of power exercises on a campus board, on the bouldering room, on the, the, the pull-up bar, whatever you can think of. You can do so much 
Yep. And variation was always what was important to me. This keeps the motivation also in training high. Um, it just makes it so much more fun, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can get so creative with exercises. And if you're not creative, then just look at other people, what they do and, and, and repeat it and, and, and try to do that. And you'll see that it's, it's actually so much more fun to do something new than always doing the same old exercise you're already good in. Yeah. Are there exercises you're repeating? Of um, course, yeah. The, the, the exercises that I, I, I actually suck on. <laughs> okay. Um, a, a, a good climbing coach once told me that he he thought that training the training that you do is good up to a certain point where you don't see a change, where you don't see where you stop making where you progress in the training, right? The, the progress, mm-hmm. and then you switch your training. You you do different exercises, and you gain progress in these exercises. And as soon as you stagnate, you move on to a different training. Yep. That's you know it's That's a, it's a, a theoretical approach, approach um, but I think it actually works quite well. Yeah. And I, I just had some major weaknesses. Um, I always also had some some strengths, uh, and and I don't. I'm not a fan of training only one or the one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was definitely some weaknesses that I had to work on very hard. So I did. And I, like I'm really bad at campusing. I I just can't do one armors. So so it's stuff like that. This that I I kind of w- try to work on. Um, um, like upper body body power. I, I have very strong fingers, um, but you know upper body power is something I kind of lacked, and especially due to the you know bouldery aspect of this route that I kind of felt this was necessary. Yeah, and it helped me a lot. And I think it's exciting and motivating to find that thing that you know you can really improve at. Yeah, because then you get to see improvement. If yes, you're only but it's not always. On, Sometimes you're working on weaknesses and you just don't get better, and it sure. can be frustrating. But sure. you know that's it. That's life. Yeah, and if you can see the overall more global picture, yeah, and I like the idea that you're not only focused on your weaknesses, that you also go in, yeah, play to your strengths sometimes. And I mean, I I, I kind of picked a route that I knew to, that fit my style. So yeah. then, then you gotta you can always improve, and also in your you can you can improve your strengths. Sure. So it doesn't make sense to only train your weaknesses. Yeah, we like to say you can't have weaknesses without strengths. Yeah, you know? that's kind of true. Yeah, so you have to keep cultivating those strengths yeah. as well. So. And also my strengths, like relative to other people, they're, they're weaknesses. You know, if I, <laughs> sure. if I say I have strong fingers and I look at, you know, Daniel Woods, for example, my fingers are weak as shit. Yeah. <laughs> like Daniel will laugh at me if I see, like, if, I, if he, he hears me telling I have strong fingers, then yeah. like I, I'm not able to hang on to the holes that he can, you know, choke up on. Yeah, and and that'll always be the case. Exactly, you know? but that doesn't really matter. I mean, it's all it's it's I as what I've learned through through the last fifteen years or something is that it's it's easy to look at other people and and compare yourself to it, um, but it's it doesn't help you in the end. Right. Um, it it can it it's 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 handy that you can see flaws that you have and and or strengths that other people have, so you can work on that, but. In the end, it's you that needs to be the climb. It needs to do the climbing, not the other mm-hmm. person. So whether it's in comps or on rock climbing, you can you can compare yourself with other people, but it's not going to make you any stronger. Like, yeah, yeah. I find some benefit in comparison as long as you're not taking it personal. Exactly. Yeah. And competitiveness you know? is is something sometimes productive, but I think to a lot of people it's counterproductive. And yeah. If as soon as you reach that stage, then you kind of need to work on that. Yep. Totally. So you go through your power phase. 
into power endurance and then you're you're ready to go back to spain yeah i was i was really ready at the end uh, um, of my training i i was actually uh, impatient like yeah. last last two weeks i was reserved to cut down the quantity and even more focus on quality of training mm-hmm. just to uh, to get your body rested for yep. you know the trying the route for comps we do the same thing like it's it's not useful to train your ass out just a week before the comp right you'll just be tired um so i was actually uh, i was really impatient to get get over there yeah and back then i had a lot I, I i had a lot of stuff on university to do so so it was it was fine i was i was i wasn't sitting at home you know being really impatient but as soon as i i i was on that plane to spain i was i was really ready for it it hardly felt as i as as, as i was more uh, in, in another phase of my life I was more ready yeah so which was nice i felt i felt super fit as fit as i could have been with that amount of training um, motivation was high and especially um the the confidence was high mm-hmm. and um many people are always scared to be confident uh, because if 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 you don't succeed, then people will think like, ah, oh, he, he said he was gonna do it, but he, but he didn't. Right, right. But to me, confidence is is something that you need to have for success. So important. Like you, you can sometimes even trick yourself a little bit. Just you know, try to be. I think overconfidence is better than 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 the other, the opposite. Right. Right. So I felt confident, and um, like expect expectations were high. Um, but not in a not in a counterproductive way. Like I, I knew that this could be this this might well be a multi-year project, and mm-hmm. in the end, it turned out, um, which wasn't a problem. You know, it it, it wasn't uh, when it when it didn't happen, when I, I didn't climb the route at the end of those three weeks. I actually planned to go back, got injured with a knee injury, and and you know, of course, it's a bummer, but I'm. I was and I am okay with it mm-hmm. because I know that I have time, I have the motivation, that, like that route is not going to walk away. Right. And even if all the holds break, I'm just going to find a new route. Right. So that's, that's the nice thing about it. I'm not, I wasn't training for, for one specific event, let's take world championships or whatever, Olympics. That's, that's another goal to train for, you know, it's, it's a lot more heavy on the mind since there's only one time where you need to be fit and if you screw up, then it's, then it's over. Right. I mean, maybe then in two years, there's another comp. Uh, in four years, there's another Olympics. You never know. But the rock route is going gonna, is gonna to stay. Mm-hmm. So, And really, ultimately, you're not even training for the specific. I mean, globally, ultimately, you're not even training for that specific route. You're really training to get yourself to a certain place. Um, and I, I think in general, <laughs> I, I always use the fact that training I, I was preparing for a certain project or you know a certain goal mm-hmm. a challenge and i i used training for several goals that made it very nice uh, that if one goal i didn't achieve one goal then there was always the other always uh, also in uh, during my competition years even though i trained primarily for competitions i was using that strength or that, that I developed during training for you know doing these rock trips or right um you know, even climbing El Cap or something, I, I had developed the skills in my training uh, for comp climbing, primarily right. for comp climbing. Right. So then that that makes the training for me really nice. Mm-hmm. And also that training I did for Project 9B, it was a very nice base layer for um, 
you know, to work with uh, this summer for the elite World Cups and the, the World Championships in September. And of course, if I restart or reactivate Project 9B, like fall or maybe in, maybe this winter, you know, I will still have that base from last year, yep. which I didn't have last year. I mean, yep. I, I was basically, you know, I only had a bouldering base mm -hmm. and uh, my endurance was quite shitty <laughs> yeah. at the start. So it's, it's kind of nice to have, to have several goals um, when you look at training. Yeah, I agree completely. And I think that, I think you really exemplified that when you came back from Spain, having gotten close and then got injured just before your next trip. And it doesn't sound like the first indication. I, it was a bit of a bummer. <laughs> I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was. And, and I'd love to talk about that a little bit. But the only indication I've even heard that you might not continue with the project was when you just said, if I restart the project. And I assume that's still a goal that you're going to... Yeah, it wasn't really an if. It was when I... Right, <laughs> right. I think the only, the only reason for me not to restart the, the project is, uh, is either something personal happens or something. Sure. Um, or I get injured, so I, I'm not able to continue my training and, right. and preparation. That's, yeah. the, that's the only reason for me to stop stop this project yeah because I, I like it too much you know absolutely so when you got injured you know i know we're running short on time here i know you've got a million things you probably got to do gotta go hang out at the pool with kata <laughs> but talk to me about the injury just a little bit you had gotten really close on this big project and then you you partially tore acl and mcl correct yeah In the gym? yeah yeah a lot of stuff was you know it, it wasn't really a, a giant injury or something. Right. Um, a lot of stuff was, was partially torn, like the meniscus had, had a little dent. And um, it was, it was nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. Uh, mm -hmm. I was just, I was just training. I, I was still a bit, I was, I was, I was not very healthy. I was a bit sick. Um, and I think that in fact caused, uh, you know, the, the stuff to weaken. And I had already, decided to like climb on easier routes just because I didn't feel well right and I did this drop knee which felt a bit awkward but wasn't any any much like the the, the like the big drop knees you can you can see Adam sometimes doing or something right. it wasn't right. it wasn't something very strange that I shouldn't have been doing mm -hmm. and I like I right away felt that something popped and um, I for for like an hour or something I I told I tried to tell myself like ah oh, maybe it's not that bad and I kind of knew straight away within a yeah. couple of days that, you know, I, I canceled my flight right away, even before I, I, I had the diagnose, um, just because I knew it's, it's, it was a week in advance, so I knew it wasn't going to happen. Right. And then it's basically, you know, working on, um, how, would, how should I say, the, the, the mental aspect of, you know, being okay with it, not mm -hmm. being too bummed out, um, and, and keep that motivation and just take it on to you know when when you can reactivate the project yeah and this i think i've i've done quite well I, partly because i've had so many injuries in the past i've had a lot of finger injuries um i, I broke uh, one of my spines once and, or one of my uh, you know I had, I had a back injury a vertebrae a vertebrae yeah and i i knew the process and this at the end of this this injury, I might actually say it's been one of the nicest injuries I've ever had. You know, it was it was easy to the the entire process was was quite 
okay. Mm-hmm. Like I could do a lot of training. I wasn't really disabled. Uh, you know, I could I could hike from the start. It was just like I couldn't squat. I couldn't do like for a long time. The like ninety degree angle was uh, was max I can do. Right. So like um, heel so, hooks were out. Yeah, and... yeah. So for a couple of weeks I couldn't <clears throat> climb, which which wasn't that big a problem. Then I could restart, um, but I could always you know do stuff. Yeah. And you can do a lot of training with one foot. Which, yeah, totally. Which I found out was quite useful, even with with no feet. Um, yeah, especially if you're like you said, you're bad at campusing. So exactly, yeah, yeah. So I did a lot of that. In there. And then, of course, it's dangerous to uh, to have injuries because of that injury. So I <laughs> I almost hurt my shoulder just from too much campusing and no footing. You now when you're doing three hour sessions uh, and not using your feet, it's it's like it's it's a total different. Uh, yep. Uh, strain on your body than unusual so your body's going to be like no dude this is yeah. not cool yeah as long uh, as you're listening to it that's yeah, the important exactly. part so it's it's you know it's part of the process and it was quite quite kind of interesting and i i was i was quite happy that or happy to hear that that people were asking like when when are you going to restart and how's the knee and is are you going to continue on it and i, I was always like of course i'm going to continue yeah um i just not right now. I mean, it's it's thirty plus degrees and or it's a hundred Fahrenheit in uh, in Spain right now. So I can't forget about this route until I don't know late fall. Um, and I I always said that uh, Project Nine B will be, you know, November to April or something. And then afterwards, I have to fix. I have to focus on on competitions. Like I I, I don't want one um, specific goal to. Uh, to uh how do you say to um to permeate everything just yeah to, exactly to, yeah. to just you know that I have too much focus on one goal so right. i just get sloppy on the others yeah there's world championships coming up in my hometown so i want to be fit for that um so so i just put it on ice for now and i will i'm already i'm, I'm constantly making plans actually when to reactivate mm-hmm. uh, and like you already said you'll be coming back in with a much higher base level yeah than where you started and for sure this summer i will i will i will keep up high like hard sport climbing yep but there's not really any 9b's in the vicinity that i think i can try especially since the the only one that's close to my house has the biggest drop knee with the right <laughs> knee you can ever imagine of course so i don't think that's a very smart route to try yeah but we're we're making plans um also, I got to incorporate Yosemite since, you know, that's not out of the game. Yeah. Um, so, it's, it's always been... There's still walls to do. Yeah, yeah. There's, that, that's always been the struggle. Like, I have too much motivation, too many goals at the same time. So, I got to, like, plan, you know, efficiently. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this is definitely, I would still say it's, it's you know, the, my primary goal. It's, it's, it's on position number one. Um, but that doesn't mean that I'm not uh, that you know I can put it on ice for for a bit. Yeah. Well, I, I hugely appreciate you putting it out into the world and you know letting us kind of see behind the scenes of it. Um, I had I had recently started sport climbing again after I I got to 14A, which was my big goal. Then I spent a I had a shoulder surgery and spent a few years bouldering and recently started trying to sport climb again and you know had my own goals that I was documenting and got my first injury in the midst of training for it so mm-hmm. um, the timing of your project was was perfect I was able to kind of yeah. watch what you were doing 
see how that was going and, and get my own motivation from that. Um, and hopefully other people are being motivated by it. And, and I, I put my story out there as well. So, um, it's kind of nice to see that people actually appreciate it. Yeah, totally. And I, people are asking me to document the, the process of, uh, of rehabilitation from, from an injury as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I didn't really do it. Yep. Um, it's tough to do. Especially yeah, when you're already good at it and you just go through the motions. And yes, and also because I, I had kind of put it on ice the entire project. Right. So it, it didn't really it didn't really fit in, I think. Um, and, and as soon as I reactivate, then I'll start, you know, blogging about the... Yeah. You know, how to, how to, how to reactivate and how to catch up again. Yeah, well, I think we'll be happy with whatever we get. It's, I'm glad the project is out there. So. Oh, yeah, it definitely is. Yeah, so thanks for taking time out to All right, thanks for having sit me. down with me. It's been super fun. Thanks, Jorg. I appreciate you coming over, hanging out, even though you had the World Cup to compete in the next day. I appreciate that a ton. It means a lot. It says a lot about your character, frankly. And for all of you out there, I think we have a lot to learn um, from this little glimpse into how a professional climber approaches a big goal. Obviously, not every professional climber is going to approach it this way. Um, Some are considerably more haphazard, um, and that works for them so far. Um, I appreciate Jorg's approach um, simply because it's it's very direct. Um, He understands the goal. He's not leaving a lot to chance. Um, I think that's a really powerful thing. Um, I think it removes a lot of excuses when you leave as little to chance as possible. And one of the the main or two of the main components that I think Jorg's training has to teach us is that number one, it's simple. And number two, it's specific. Um, I think there's a lot to learn from that. And I'm going to dig into that. A little more in future episodes um, we'll talk about it for sure maybe Nate and I'll sit down do a board meeting talking about project 9b could be really interesting and I'm stoked for whenever project 9b comes back on board if you haven't seen it you should go check it out at project-9b.com and you can kind of see Jorg's build up the training um, the, the approach, the tactics, and the injury. And soon, like you mentioned, we'll be able to see where he goes from there. And Jorg, I assure you, we are all rooting for you out here. Um, so once again, thanks for sitting down with me. I'll have links to Project 9B, the website, and a bunch of videos that, uh, that Louder Than 11 and John Glassberg have done with Jorg and his wife Kata. Um, really great videos and really fun climbers to watch so you'll find that link in your show notes to all of that and you guys i will see you again very soon or i won't see you but you'll hear me again very soon and by that time i'll be married it sounds crazy to say but i will Uh, until then you can find us at powercompanyclimbing.com we have training plans for all levels of climber there 
um, and all levels of communication. If you don't want a coach breathing down your neck, we won't. You just let us know. Um, you can also find us on the Instagrams. You can find us on the Facebooks. You can find us on the Pinterests. All of those at Power Company Climbing. You can look for us on the Twitter. You can probably find Jorg on the Twitter. And maybe I'll put that in the show notes. But you guys know. You're not going to find us on the Twitter. Because we don't tweet. We scream like eagles. This time, 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 this